Blog Talk Radio. Radio Network, www.blogtalkradio.com is the URL where to go to start broadcasting your voice over the Internet. So welcome to Small Business IT Radio. Again, my name is Stuart Crawford, and this is a weekly show for IT professionals, Microsoft partners. If you're in the IT business, this is the show you need to listen to just to help you, you know, give you some business information to start driving uh, us forward, and especially uh, coming up in the, the end of 2008, going into 2009, and, you know, we got some uncertainty in the markets happening we got a bunch of stuff going on and i know a lot of us if you're like me you're kind of you're kind of spinning around going which direction do i go so hopefully we can give you some information on this show to kind of help clear that uh clear that smog or smoke or whatever uh that fog that's in there that just really don't know where we're going and uh i have a good friend of us a friend of the show joining us today eric simpson and uh from southern california and talking about clearing smog, this guy can probably relate to a lot of that stuff. Good morning, Eric. How are things? Good morning, Stuart. Excellent. I tell you what, though, I've, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a two coaster. I grew up in New York, so we call smog pollution in New York, and we call pollution <laughs> smog in California. So there you go. There you go. Well, you know, Eric, I know you and I had some uh, discussions over the last few months about the economy, and we could probably go on a, for that for a long time. But you're, a, you know, you're a seasoned veteran of this show. You've been on a few times now. But the, I mean, I'm sure there's probably a new person out there who's never uh, heard about Eric Simpson or MSPU or Intelligent Enterprise, all the stuff that you've done. Give us the the quick uh, overview of your resume and some of the things that you've done in your uh, in your career. Uh, sure. So, uh, Intelligent Enterprise uh, is a small business focused uh, IT solutions bar in the Southern California area. We've been delivering solutions. Uh, since 1997. In 2005, we transitioned over to delivering uh, managed services, uh, is what it's called today, and that's proactive monitoring, <coughs> excuse me, remote help desk, and vendor management of uh, clients' environments and relationships. And we were very successful at that. Uh, so successful, in fact, that we got on some people's radar and were asked by some of the larger uh, MSP vendors to create some training curriculum and deliver some training to their channels to try to improve uh, their partners' uh, success. And fast forward to today, that has just snowballed to the point where um, we deliver services to thousands of IT service providers and uh, Fortune 100 organizations all over the world, uh, mostly through our online uh, training portal at MSPU.us. And we also do one-on-one -on -one consulting and workshops and boot camps and that kind of thing. And we write some books and articles. Well, that's what we're, and what's, that's what we're here for, to talk about your new book coming out, The uh, the Best IT Services Book Ever. Now, that's a great title. How did you come up with that name? Um, you know, it was funny. We When we wrote the last book, you know, the first book was The Guide to a Successful Managed Services Practice, very successful. The second book we wanted to focus on, Sales and Marketing, and we were trying to play off of that uh, sports uh, TV show, the best damn sports show ever. Well, we dropped the damn out, and we put uh, the best IT sales and marketing book ever. And that seemed to catch on with everybody, so we thought for the new book that might be the name of a series here, so we named it the best IT service delivery book ever. Great. So what's this, you know, what's 
what's the target audience for this book, Eric? Is it just for the regular IT pro or for the more seasoned uh, veteran? Well, you know, Stuart, I think uh, you know our our 11 plus years of experience here gives us a unique insight into not only what it's what it takes to build an IT service delivery practice, but also how to maintain it, how to maximize it, and then how to migrate it to uh, successively higher types of service delivery models. So the way I've written the book intentionally was to take four service delivery provider models, and those are a hardware warranty services model, a break-fix services delivery model, a professional services delivery model, and a uh, managed services delivery model. And in sections, take each of those and talk about how to build, how to maintain each one, how to maximize efficiencies and productivity within those models, and how to migrate them to the next model. So I think that there's some insight in there for uh, solution providers, no matter where they are in their service delivery model. I'd like to hope so. And uh, you know, and then in some successive sections, we talk about what it takes to hire and train IT uh, technical people. So we have examples of uh, probably 12 or 13, I guess, different roles within IT organizations. And you know, we have employment ads for each one of those. We talk about the roles and responsibilities. We talk about how to interview them. And then we talk about how to train each specific role. And we're talking anywhere from a field engineer to a knock engineer to a service desk uh, engineer to a service manager, service dispatcher, project manager, uh, inventory manager, purchasing manager. So I think we've tried to cover just about every role that we've experienced in, in our evolution of delivering IT services. So in the in the 600 or so page book that's going to be released in the next little while here, uh, what was the exact date of the release again, Eric? Well, we're going to have them on hand for um, Carl, uh, Carl Palachuk and, and I. Excuse me, I'm getting over a cold. Carl Palachuk and I are, are doing a pre-day over at SMB Nation. That's next Friday. So we'll have them on hand then. The official ship date for the book is October 6th. Okay, so it's something that's coming out in the next few weeks, which is great. Now, you talked, in, and it's going to be over 600 pages, so it's a, you know, a pretty good uh, yeah, it's uh, nearly, book to have in your, in your library for, you know, for IT services providers. Yeah, I was talking to you earlier. It's nearly 600 pages. Our printer, uh, I went over and saw the proof yesterday, and they said uh, if it had been any more pages, they would have had trouble binding it. So it's, it's one of the thicker books I've, I've ever seen. I didn't realize how thick it was going to be. It's just a whole lot. And you know what? I could have just kept going. Uh, but we had a, a, a hard deadline to meet for the publication and the release date. So uh, it comes in just shy of 600 pages. Oh, wonderful. So I just want to remind everybody who's listening to us live on Blog Talk Radio today that the uh, call-in number, if you want to ask Eric any, or myself any questions, is area code 646-716-8372. And I have the chat, the chat session open uh, on uh, Blog Talk Radio as well, so if you want to ask your questions on our chat window, that's open to find the uh, the green box on the uh, control panel there. You can get on and, uh, and ask us any questions via that way as well. So Eric, this, page, this book, uh, going kind of quick skim through it last night uh, on the email that you sent me over. Uh, there's a number of different models uh, that I could see. The first one I got my eyes on was the hardware warranty services model. And you mentioned there was a few other models in there. Maybe we could just kind of break uh, Break down the models that you have and kind of talk on you know the high, very high level on the different models. So the the first one I found was the hardware warranty services uh, delivery model. Is that our traditional break fix guys? 
So you know what happens, Stuart, is um, as you know, we, we do a lot of work with, um, with larger uh, manufacturers and distributors. And we were asked by uh, Intel to uh, do some work for them in a go-to-market capacity for a product they were releasing in the UK. And in that uh, set of deliverables, they asked us to really focus in on some best practices for hardware warranty services delivery. And this is, I guess, something that is unique. You know, I think here in the US, you know, we basically start off kind of at the break fix kind of a model. But in the UK, apparently, Intel and some other manufacturers also have a lot of folks that really focus in on delivering hardware warranty services. And that's basically warranting hardware, right? So, you know, I took the approach in that section of the book to talk about the, uh, service providers that basically um, make their profits by selling hardware warranty services on large volumes of equipment. And so that's, that's uh, one section that kind of appeals more, I think, to an international audience um, and not so much uh, here in North America. So the successive uh, chapters deal more with what we are traditionally familiar with. So we wanted to have some sort of a, a section in it to, to appeal, like I say, to more of an, uh, a broader international audience in that section. And that's something that uh, we come to find out that uh, is a model that they're very familiar with and accustomed to. Oh, perfect. So I mean, now I, okay, now I get it now. But kind of looking and skimming through, I see that we have the traditional break-fix uh, service model in there as well, which is probably what a, a number of IT companies are still uh, clinging on to. I, I had a chat with one of my peers this morning that, you know, there's still money to be made doing break-fix. But the challenge around that was the predictability uh, around, uh, you know, revenue models and stuff like that. Uh, so we, we have the hardware warranty model that you talked about, which is, I get it now, which, you know, Intel, Cisco, those type of companies, and just going out and servicing their their firms, you know, no different than what Dell would outsource uh, one of their uh, hardware warranty services companies to go and do the on-site work for them. Exactly. Let's talk about BreakFix, Eric, because BreakFix has been around forever. Uh, it's how I started, probably how you started. A number of us started that way. And uh, still in this day, I, I have no idea what the percentage of IT companies out there doing break-fix work still. I mean, if it's anything that I'm aware, I'm sure it's in the 80, 90% companies are still some component of break-fix. But Eric, is there some fundamental flaws in break-fix that you can easily point out to people? Well, I think, you know, and, and, and I talk about this in the book, and, you know, the break-fix model, you know, call me old-fashioned, but I just I just don't see the break-fix model ever going away. I mean, somebody is going to have to react. And whether that whether we say break-fix is actually the role of reacting to something that is down, and then addressing it, I think you know, for the most part, as we as we mature as an industry and as service delivery providers, you know, we're going to all start drinking that coolie that says, you know, you just mentioned, I mean, how can we be more predictive and proactive about things? But there's always going to be equipment that fails, right? So what can we do to address that uh, in, in more of a proactive manner? And, you know, when we talk about, you know, in our first book of, of how we required our, our clients to have uh, a spare PC in a closet somewhere. So when those PCs did fail, you know, we were reacting to what happened, but we wouldn't have to send somebody in a car to drive out there. We'd ask the client to have somebody swap the PC in, our folks would remote in, set up the user's profile, printing, etc. And then the next time we were in the area, quote unquote, we would pick up the bad PC, we would rehab it in our facility, and it then became 
than is spare in the closet. So, you know, when I look at the break fix model in the book, some of the, you know, some of the challenges that the break fix service delivery model have is it's a commodity service, right? So that means that there are a multitude of providers that the end customer can choose to provide reactive services. And in our experience, it's not difficult to win business from a customer that's a reactive break fix customer. I'm sure you've experienced it yourself, Stuart, and, and many of the folks on the call today. I mean, how, how difficult is it to go in and show some more, more value to a customer who already has an existing break fix uh, service provider and win that business? Not very difficult, right? So there's a commodity service is a challenge, and then there's the loyalty factor that the customer has for their existing provider, which is also a challenge. So I think from the reactive model, um, and there's a lot of good money to be made on the reactive model. I mean, we work with partners that, you know, are very profitable in a reactive service delivery model and then also have a hybrid model where they'll do reactive break fix along with managed services or professional services. So I think the main gotcha here in the break fix model is there's only a finite amount of billable hours that one engineer can book per month. And so with a reactive break fix model, there's only so much work that can be delivered even at a 75% or 80% perhaps if you're really pushing a utilization rate. So at some point in time, the service delivery provider owner is going to have to hire more staff. And so you're hiring more staff, you're training more staff, you're investing in more staff, and you're managing more staff because there's only a finite amount of hours that each staff person can bill. That, I think, is probably the greatest challenge in the break-fix service delivery model, the inability to scale beyond a dollar-per-hour business model. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. We're, and we're doing that uh, uh, kind of hybrid as well where we have our traditional break-fix services, and, and we are very profitable in that. Mm -hmm. We're just starting to go into uh, – Managed services. And I, I kind of jokingly stated at uh, ConnectWise last week that we're kind of going to just l jump over managed services. And I know we get we'll talk about professional services here in a few minutes. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, to me, it's you know when we look at our whole company, Eric, managed services and break fix are just pieces of the pie. They're, they're part of the whole service model. And I, what I like about the uh, managed services model, we're actually starting to close some really big maintenance contracts that were you know there were. They were up and down. They were, you know, eight thousand dollars of labor one month, four thousand next month, and you know, so we're we're flat now. We know exactly what that deliverable is going to be from that client, and uh, it's nice to have that that feeling in our, you know, especially as our managed services revenue starts to uh, equal out with our break fix. You know, the HCG spreadsheet that we use where we break all that down. It's really nice to see that. Um, mm -hmm. The next area that we, you know, you talk about it is that professional services. I think that's where we are as a company. We're now that we're 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 engaging bigger mid market clients. And don't get me wrong, I love the small business market. But what I really love about mid market is there's less headaches and people understand the technology. But as we move into professional service, now we're offering those, you know, those senior exchange services or security services now to clients that have existing IT departments and really helping them out. Is this are we on the same line here as what you're talking about in the book around professional services? Yeah, you're feeding me all my lines, Stuart. It's perfect. So, <clears throat> so yeah, when we talk about the difference, you know, as we, you know, in the evolution of, <clears throat> excuse me, 
the evolution of service delivery, in my opinion, <clears throat> it takes a very, uh, I think, a very, uh, I guess, reproducible path for most folks. It's break, fix services, and then we try to jump into, man, uh, into professional services. And this is what we experienced before managed services came along. Now we're seeing more break, fix service providers jumping right into managed services. I think the some of the key differentiators between the break, fix service delivery model and the professional service delivery model is target market is one. And we talk about these concepts in, in the book very specifically. I mean, let me just pull one of these pages up and I'll, I'll share with you. Uh, so we're talking about the characteristics of a service delivery model, the deliverables, any warranty or SLA that's applicable, the tools and technology that it takes to power it, pricing and positioning, staffing requirements, target market, customer satisfaction and loyalty, um, technical staff, technical roles and responsibilities, service delivery, and then customer service. So when we're looking at that professional service delivery model, you mentioned it, it allows us to push up into the mid and enterprise market. I mean, that's exactly correct because with the professional services delivery model, um, you can be very um, solutions focused, right? So we're delivering and we're looking at um, project and solution outcomes when we deliver a, a solution as a professional service delivery provider. And we will have specialization that our end customer or clients don't have internally. That's why we can push up into those higher uh, tiers of uh, mid and enterprise level customers. With the break, fix, service delivery model, you know, we're really looking at, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit harsh here, but, you know, what we're looking for as a professional service delivery provider, a managed service delivery provider, a trusted advisor, we're really searching for those technology strategic customers. The customers that see uh, expenses and technology that they make as strategic investments in their organization to help them gain an advantage in their market, right? So technology strategic and then secondarily to that, <coughs> technology dependent uh, clients that <coughs> even though they may not <coughs> excuse me, be as quite as strategic as the technology strategic customer or client, they are so, um, the technology is so critical to their business success that they will invest in that technology from that perspective. So what we see when we jump from that break fix kind of a model, target market, to the professional services delivery target market, there's quite a chasm right there. The, since we have a commodity service or deliverable as a break fix uh, service delivery provider, and it's, uh, we experience, you know, I would say minimal loyalty in that model. It's difficult to find technology strategic and dependent clients um, in that break-fix model. They're more apt to be smaller uh, clients or customers who are uh, more cognizant of the cost of things. So what we're looking for are clients, again, that see the value of, of service supersedes cost, right? The value of service and benefit supersedes cost. And we see that more in the mid and enterprise market when we become that professional service delivery provider where we, are, we have more technical acumen than the, the end client or customer has in-house. We're able to go in and scope a solution and come up with uh, a recommendation and put together a project plan <coughs> that, <coughs> that entails you know, uh, resource management, task and timelines, uh, risk management, change management and communications management. And from that perspective, I make <clears throat> the point in the book that it's easier for a professional services delivery provider to make the jump to a managed service provider because they are so 
accustomed to process and procedure because that's all we're about as a managed service delivery provider, right? It's process and procedure. That's how we extend our profitability, right, in that, in that fashion. So I think back to your original question, I think, um, you know, the, the benefits or the, the challenges or the differences between the break, fix, and professional service delivery model are just that. I think it's target market. I think it's target client. And I think there's uh, more loyalty. Uh, even though we are still delivering a transaction-based service as a professional service delivery provider, um, because of the way that we can uh, uh, very uh, specifically manage those projects, deliverables, and customer expectations, it takes us to another level and builds uh, more genuine trust with our clients if we're doing our job right. So what do uh, IT professionals or even smaller consulting companies need to do today or to get ready to transition to professional services? Say they're, they're experts at FBS and all those smaller uh, stuff and you know, small business stuff. Uh, what I know, I know what we had to do, but I'd love to hear it from the expert and your opinion on that. What would you recommend to the average IT consultant or professional organization that wants to get into professional services? Well, I think first of all, um, you know, it's it's going to be quite a different. I think there's a, a pretty deep chasm there between a break fix service provider that delivers services as a reactive resource, a firefighter, if you will, to a professional services provider that that really sits down with their clients to understand what their needs are, provides that technical assessment uh, so that they can scope a solution to meet those needs, uh, and then very procedurally deliver that solution and manage expectation uh, throughout the life cycle of the project. So I think, I think what needs to happen first and foremost is the break-fix service provider has to understand and realize internally that they want to make this shift. It's difficult to become or transition to another delivery model if you're still stuck mentally in your own internal perception as that reactive break fix provider, right? So your <clears throat> your inward perception becomes your outward reality. So I think there's a, a mind shift that occurs there, and we talk about this in the first book actually, in how does a break fix provider you know become a managed services provider? It's that mind shift that says, hey, I am a professional service delivery provider who uh, looks at things proactively, and I'm more focused on, <clears throat> as the professional services delivery provider, we're focused on project outcomes. As a break-fix service provider, <clears throat> we're really focused on kind of that, that reactive service outcome. And I think as, as you look forward to the managed service provider, the trusted advisor, <clears throat> we really are focused on business outcomes. So if you can think about it in those terms, you can kind of see the evolution of the internal perception and the outward reality of that service provider. As a reactive break fix service provider, I'm focused on reactive service outcomes. As a professional service delivery provider, I'm focused on uh, um, project outcomes, right, solution outcomes. And as a trusted advisor slash managed service provider, I'm really focused on business outcomes. I want to make sure that I understand the entire organization, the entire infrastructure, and I am managing it because I own the risk. So I'm going to bring it up to a minimum standard of service. I'm going to deploy my agents in the environment. I'm going to be proactive. I'm going to configure my alerts. I'm going to create a process and procedure that handles end user issues efficiently, effectively, and improves customer satisfaction, and therefore improves uptime and profitability for both the end customer and ourselves. So I'm thinking that as we talk about this evolution through these models, what we're really gaining 
I think the, the number one thing that we gain is more business acumen, right? So in the break-fix model, the professional services model, what we're doing is we're building technical acumen. And then as a managed service provider, as a trusted advisor, we're really building that business acumen that helps us really affect change within our end customer environments. So I don't know if I answered your question because I forgot what it was because I tend to ramble sometimes, but you can you can bring me back to square one there, Stuart. That, no, that's okay, Eric. I think you did, and uh, you know what? I have a horrible memory, so I probably forgot the question anyway, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the other things, looking through the book and, the, and during the preface of the book here, you're, you talk about different modes that businesses are in, and we're, and we're going to get to managed services, but you know what? Managed services is beat up, and we we, we talked about it many times in, on the show, mm -hmm. but I think it's important to get to it. But I want to kind of talk about these different modes of uh, being in business. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we have the you mentioned the maintain, maximize, migrate mm -hmm. uh, modes, and of what we're you know what we're doing in, in business today as IT companies. You know, and uh, if a company is in uh, on the, in the build mode. Uh, and that was the top, you know. And if we're in a build mode, that's pretty self-explanatory. We're looking at building a practice, and, and we're in a very early stage of operation. I think looking at these other areas of what kind of uh, company you want to be is really easy to do at this during this stage. Is that uh, is that a fair statement? Um, when you're in build mode, I think when you're in build mode, unless you're you're um, restarting another. Um, IT service delivery business uh, after having maybe sold off a prior one or been in the business uh, with with another partner or something like that. I think build mode, you know, so in the books, just so I can clarify for the listeners, we have, uh, I talk about, I come up with this idea that not only do we have to understand what what service delivery model we are in or identify which one we are in, and we talk about that in the book, and, and those, are, again, are the hardware warranty services delivery model, the break-fix uh, services delivery model, professional services delivery model, and managed services delivery model. In addition to understanding which model we are practicing or about to practice, you know, one of my concepts is we also have to understand what mode of business we are in in order to more effectively run our business or migrate to another business or maximize um, you know, how well we're doing in that business. And so the four modes that I, that I talk about are build mode, um, maintain mode, maximize mode, and migrate mode. So the build mode is the one you're talking about, Stuart, is basically that. It's, you know, hey, I'm new on the scene, or I'm starting from scratch, or I'm very early in building my business. Maybe I'm a one-man organization or, or a one-person organization, and I'm building. So we talk specifically about, in every one of these models, what is you know from a high level, um, you know what are the factors and the stressors on building that business, right? Uh, in the maintain mode, again, now we're established in business. Um, what I say in the maintain mode perspective, it's more kind of like the some folks call it a lifestyle business, you know, where hey, I don't, I'm not actively marketing. I have enough clients, and if I lose one. I'll pick one up through a referral, but I'm not actively seeking to grow. I'm very comfortable. My my hours are pretty set unless something catches fire, you know, that I have to react to. Um, you know, I really don't want to grow and hire staff, right? So we know a lot of um, uh, providers that are in that mode. It's kind of like that lifestyle. I don't really want to deal with staff, but I just want to maintain my business. So we talk about factors that that um, that type of a mode um, uh 
effect. So then we talk about the maximize mode. And the maximize mode to me is a business that's in growth mode. Um, they're really trying to fine-tune their processes and procedures. They're investing in tools and technology to improve their efficiencies and response time to their customers. And they're actively seeking to grow their business. So we talk about the different things that can affect and the different considerations for a business in any one of the uh, models that is in that maximize mode. And then finally, I talk about migrate mode. And the migrate mode simply is basically Adopting another service delivery model is a hybrid mode. So if I'm a break-fix provider, I want to start delivering professional services or managed services, I'm going to either adopt that into my model or completely migrate to a different model, which is what Intelligent Enterprise ended up doing in 2005. We said, you know, we really want to become a pure play managed services provider. And if there are professional services that our clients require on site, we're going to partner with other IT solution providers to deliver those services. And that's, you know, that was our decision to maximize our um, proactive remote response to clients and maximize our profitability because we came to understand very quickly uh, the minute that we sent somebody out the door for an on-site service call that we were losing money as a pure play managed service provider. So we, we kind of transitioned into a pure play. But in the book we talk about <clears throat> delivering services as a hybrid as well. So I think that covers the the different models we discuss, and the different modes of operation. And my point in all of that is to say you have to really understand your model and the mode that you're in in order to really identify what the appropriate path is for you to achieve your goals, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, Eric, there's a, and there's a lot of information in this book, you know, and as you're talking, I'm skimming through different things that catch my eye. And uh, you know, with, with almost 600 pages of stuff, it, I mean, it, to me, it looks like, well, gee, there's a lot of information to digest here. Uh, how do you, you know, somebody goes and sees you and Carl speak uh, this time next week, roughly in uh, in Seattle, picks up the book, goes back to the office uh, on Tuesday after SME Nation's done, and really wants to sit down and start figuring out what's the best strategy, Eric, that you can recommend to them to say. You know, I just want to get this thing going, and uh, you know, what would you sit down and say to him if you say, you know, here's what I recommend you do? Well, you know, <clears throat> one thing that I want to be clear is the book is not a, it's not a how to, you know, how to, you know, step one. This is how you deliver service to this type of client, and when they call, this is what you do, and this is step two. I mean, there's a lot of, of um, process in there on on handling service requests and a proper escalation process and things like that. But it's not a book that's going to preach to the buyer how they should run their business. What, what the book is is helping them identify uh, these different considerations in their own business. I mean, you know, who, is, who are their target market? What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? How are, how are they different from another model? What are their challenges in, in addressing that model? I mean, at 600 pages, I know it sounds like it should have everything in the planet, but just covering that from a high level was, was tremendous uh, for me to do. And I, I tell you, I, I really didn't realize that it was going to be quite this big. Uh, now I think I'll go back and maybe in a successive series dive deep into each one of these models and really do that nuts and bolts type of thing. But I think what the book will do for folks is to help them either identify what they're doing right in their business and or give them you know, some of the missing pieces of the puzzle 
or the dots that they haven't connected yet. Because, frankly, you know, I always say, Stuart, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, not, it's, I'm not creating anything here. I'm just taking real-world experience and what we've learned from working with partners all over the world and just connecting some of these dots. Like, for instance, for one, um, uh, for one provider, maybe the, the value that they get out of the book is in the hiring and training section where they go, wow, this, here is, here is um, you know, all of the um, ads already pre-written for me to hire all my folks. Here is a hiring process. Here is an HR checklist. Here are the interview questions for a technical person. Right? It's all right there. Here is, boy, how to use a disk profile and which profiles to use for a technical person. Right? Here is my offer letter. Here is my compensation plan. Here is my, boy, I mean, we just go through the whole HR piece in uh, section, I think, five of the book. Um, here is the employment agreement. Here is the equipment loan agreement. I mean, and here's how to train the, that technical person, no matter what role they're in. That, to me, is valuable in and of itself, regardless of the rest of the discussion in that book. So, you know, one person's, um, everybody gets a different piece of, of, of uh, I think, uh, benefit from, from the book. Another person may say, hey, and maybe the forms and, and the tools and the collateral that are in the back of the book. So, you know, we've got a lot of things there. Some, one person may say, hey, I'm a, I'm a professional services provider, and how do I really maximize? You know, I, I mean, we're, we're doing some sloppy project stuff out there. How do I maximize, uh, you know, and, and improve my service delivery? Well, you know, professional, uh, so that's in the maximize section of the professional services section, right? So I think that from the way I've written the book, and I've initially had a completely different layout of the book, and I was basically going through um, each uh, migrate uh, build, maintain, maximize, and migrate for each uh, model. And when I looked at it, I said, boy, that's kludgy because somebody's got to skip back and forth through different sections. So I, I decided uh, in the last couple of weeks to, to change the layout so it was focused specifically on different models. And that seemed to be more logical. So um, again, I think someone can pick the book up and identify what model they're in, go right to that section, and figure out uh, how to maintain and maximize and migrate. Uh, they can figure out how to how to hire new folks and and get them on board and train them in a very specific process. Uh, I think it just covers from 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 that perspective uh, how really to to operate your service model um, up you know as it relates to service delivery. I mean, sorry, my, I had a problem with my mic there, Eric. So I'm back now. Um, so. A lot of good stuff there, and again, uh, the way I'm reading into this is it's one of those books, you know, that I, if I want to go look at something, I just kind of find it in the table of contents and turn to that page. It's not really a book that you can read from cover to, you know, beginning to end, which is which is great for, you know, to go attack a particular issue or uh, find a, something that we want to do. So as I'm skimming through this, and you know me, you you and I are kind of, wired the same way when it comes to the importance of customer satisfaction, loyalty. Uh, I'm, I'm shocked, Eric, you know, knowing you, that you, you used the word customer in your book, though. You know what? And, and I, that was a struggle for me, but I was um, in working with some of these larger organizations, again, from an international perspective, I was hammered home the fact that in their world, client means a PC. <laughs> 
and you know, so when we, you know, it's it's one of these world is flat decisions, right? It's like, well, I could write the book, and and you know, my, and I'm I'm going to stand by this, and 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 this this is being recorded, right? So you know, a client is a client, a customer is a transaction based uh, customer that may buy something from you one time. Um, and so that was a struggle for me to, to change that in the book to say, and I talk about customers, customers, customers. And it was frankly from the international perspective where I was told by, you know, enough people, hey, clients are PCs in our world, okay? These people are called customers. So, you know, I apologize for, you know, for everybody that has bought into and, and still believes, as I believe, that we're looking for strategic clients and not customers. Uh, in this book, it, it is a deviation that you have uh, correctly identified. Well, you know, I just had I just had to give you a hard time because I know that you are so you are passionate just like I am that yeah. I don't want to deal with customers. I want to have clients. I'm, I mean, I'm a client to my lawyer to my CA. We don't want my customer to Walmart and Sears. Maybe in the second printing, I will uh, put a little disclaimer in the front there. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to talk about, Eric. And you know, in, there's you know only an hour here, but you know, I kind of want to. Another thing that you and I kind of share like minds on is uh, the importance of marketing. Do you touch anything about marketing in this book? You know, um, I, I, I specifically did not talk about marketing in the book. It's focused completely on service delivery. Everything uh, that we've got to say about sales and marketing is in the previous book, the sister book, uh, the best IT sales and marketing book ever. So that's the blue book for any of the listeners that already have that book. Uh, that's got, boy, I tell you, what a great book that is. I mean, it is, it is, and that is the step-by-step, step, this is how you market through postcards. This is how you market through white papers. This is how you market through wind wires. This is, you know, I mean, it is just step-by-step-by-step. By step by step. And then hiring salespeople, <clears throat> training salespeople, I mean, the whole, the same um, type of methodology that we go through in in the service delivery book for hiring and training technical staff, we do the exact same thing in the sales and marketing book, and we and we build out compensation plans, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So they are two very different books, but they are both, I think, required uh, in a service delivery practice. I mean, you've got to do sales and marketing, and you've also got to deliver service. So that's the companion book. <clears throat> Okay, so that's the one that was uh, the blue book, which I have sitting Correct. on my shelf here. Which is uh, so. That I means I. I just wanted to make sure because uh, I, I believe it's part of delivering effective services, being able to market uh, that as well. So, but that, yeah. if you covered in another book, that's great. That gives you another book if you don't have one uh, from Eric on the uh, field of marketing that you should be picking up uh, right away here. So, Eric, you know, I'm going to kind of go off topic here a little bit because we can, you know, I think everything else ties back to the work here in this book. What, in your opinion, are some of the challenges facing IT providers today as we round out 2008 and start looking at 2009? <laughs> so we only have, what, a few minutes left, huh? Okay. How about 20? I think there's, boy, I tell you, I mean, there are economic stressors that we're facing. There are stressors from large, you know, organizations that kind of dictate the solutions that we provide. So I'm talking about, you know, uh, hardware as a service, virtualization, cloud computing, utility computing. I really firmly believe that, you know, first of all, we've got to get our business models in order and, 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 uh, 
being as profitable as possible. You know, in the book I talk about you know cost cutting measures too, because you know there's there's a lot of ways to uh, to gain profitability, as you know, Stuart. So I think that we really have to understand what the economy is doing to our clients in order to really take a hard look at what we can do to improve our service delivery model. And this is one of the keynote um, presentations that I do a lot. Uh, I've done a lot this year, and it was uh, how to improve service delivery profits during economic downturns. And frankly, you know, it boils down to the model that you're delivering, uh, the deliverables that you're offering your clients, um, and how how friendly they are to them in a current economic climate, how you are uh, pricing and positioning, and, and how you are allowing your clients to pay you for those services. So, are we looking at financing options and things like that? Are we are we looking at um, you know taking quarterly payments maybe for some things? Um, we talk about the vertical that you're in. Boy, I, you know I feel bad for the partners that are doing you know that their their primary vertical was uh, you know the mortgage industry. It just I mean, for them, it's it's not it's not a pretty picture right now. Um, and then we talk about a lot of other things in that presentation. So I think there's economic stressors, but then I think also looking down the road two, three, four, five, six, seven years from now, this industry is going to change completely. I firmly believe that, you know, based upon some of the statistics and some of the reports I've been reading and working with. You know, folks like Ryan Morris over at iPad and, and what they're doing to understand where the industry is moving to um, and what folks like Microsoft and Google are doing and building out these huge data centers and offering you know, these, uh, everything as a service. Um, I think we're going to have to be nimble and adjust what services and how we message those services. And, and we're going to be changing the services we deliver to our end customers to ad adopt and embrace these um, cloud and utility computing deliverables. And I think the value that we're going to have to illustrate to our clients um, is not, uh, well, first let me back up. I mean, I, a, lot of, a lot of partners that we work with and folks that I've talked to have this fear that these folks are now delivering these services directly to end customers. And that's going to kill their revenue streams, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I mean, if you think about it, how much how much profit do we really make selling licensing? I mean, it's, it's next to nothing. So I think the smart play for folks is not to fear this cloud computing, this utility computing, this software as a service, uh, virtualization, new world. I think we need to embrace it. I think we need to identify that, hey, it's just another way for a client to get their software. There's always going to be the need for us to provide professional services and manage services on top of that, to manage those those environments to bring solutions to clients to bring now we're going to be moving into business intelligence services now right so so the solution providers that get it are, are starting to shift now and understanding wow it's not about you know I mean it's like the cell phone industry right so the cell phone industry gives you the cell phones now right they don't sell them mm -hmm. to you you buy the plan and then what right. do they do yeah. they provide the service behind the plan so you know it's um, it's interesting you know um, if you were at uh, Connectwise, Stuart, and you remember Nicholas Carr's presentation about how how the World Wide Web is like the electrical grid uh, back in the 1800s, before the uh, Edison and, and Telson, those folks, and, and built out this electrical grid, 
companies that were manufacturing companies, they were building their factories next to waterways and were building these big water wheels to power, to create the power generation to uh, power their, their uh, manufacturing plants. As soon as the electrical grid system came in, and, then, and so that was a very localized uh, electrical power delivery, right? And so he was liking that to, you know, people with their uh, client-server computers locally in their businesses. As soon as the electrical power grid came on, these water wheels basically faded into nothing, and people were plugging their equipment into electrical sockets everywhere. And this was a utility uh, service. And so uh, Nicholas Carr likens the Internet to a utility service. Now, everyone can plug in. Right, so we're, we're moving away from that local client server now, and we're, we're, we have the capability now to distribute our data and our um, you know, applications out into this utility computing environment. I thought it was very relevant and salient to what's going on today. So um, the book that they were giving out at the conference was called Big Switch, The Big Switch, Nicholas Carr's book, Rewiring the World from Edison to Google. And I have yet to to get fully into it, but I, I was very intrigued by his analogy there. Well, and it's exactly, it's, you know, if you think about it, uh, we're well down that road uh, of going into uh, that big that big switch, where you know we're seeing Microsoft and others coming into uh, the play. I think Eric, I think there's a huge amount of revenue to be made on the services side there. Uh, I think yeah, we have I to think look. I think we have to look at the big picture here. Yeah, and what Nicholas was saying was just because, you know, that, that electrical grid occurred, <clears throat> you know, think about all the different businesses that started up to provide services for that electrical grid. We have electricians. I mean, we have contractors. I mean, we have all kinds of service uh, businesses that, you know, provide services on top of that to maintain and manage that electrical grid. And so this was what he was saying is, you know, that's where we need to move to is to become the service providers that now understand that the web is the, is the, um, is the grid, the utility grid now. And we just need to be smart about how we position ourselves to deliver services and value on top of that. So it's a different world, you know, that I see coming down the pike in five to seven years, certainly. Well, it's definitely the, uh, the toolbox that we uh, need to really have in our business to put all these other tools into. Uh, hosted solutions and BPOS and software as a service and hardware as a service. These are all going to be running over that that grid, and that's a great way to look at it. And I really I was inspired by uh, Nicholas Carr's uh, talk there last week in uh, in Orlando. Yeah, and I think that you know again we talk about you know kind of going back to the concepts in in uh, in my new book. It, it's that that business acumen, right? It's going to force everyone now to to gain that business acumen, to understand their clients' environments, what their clients' business goals are, what their each individual business unit's business goals are from a from a monthly and quarterly and yearly basis, understand uh, what could affect uh, our clients losing some of their customers, right? Who their competition is, how we can bring technology to make their services more attractive to their end customers, right? And then identify, <clears throat> you know, what their pains are and what they're willing to spend today to address those pains. So again, these are all business-type focused questions, right? And, we, and, and what we're doing is we're really becoming beyond a trusted advisor because there's also, <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <throat> <throat> 
excuse me, levels beyond that, we're becoming that business partner now, right? Because we're understanding from a high level these business questions. So we bring, we understand that, and we're using our business acumen now to pair up solutions from our technical acumen side to help our clients improve efficiency and productivity and mitigate business pain and risk, right? Showing our value and, you know, bringing sweeping change across business units, right? Not just the accounting department needs a new printer. You know, not just, you know, hey, CRM for, for, uh, for uh, sales. I mean, how does that affect all the other businesses? And how, we can, how can we integrate solutions so that it affects the entire organization in a positive way moving forward, right? That's the value that I think when we can become that resource to our clients, um, you know, we will be one of the most valuable resources they have, and we will not be viewed as a vendor, but we will be reviewed as, uh, or we will be viewed as a, a, a trusted business partner that the business can't do without. And so I think that's kind of the the mind shift that we as providers have to get to and strive to meet that expectation in order to be relevant uh, in the coming years. So Eric, here's a question for you on um, on. I'm sure you probably address this in the in the book. How important is specializing today in today's market? Like picking a niche market and going after it or having two or three niches that you you specialize in become so you can become that trusted business advisor. Right. So I mean that's a great question and <clears throat> and we do touch upon it in the book. And the way I look at specialization, I look at you know, one way to look at this is to look at it as in the medical profession, right? You have a general practitioner, right? General practitioner knows a little bit about enough stuff to refer you to a specialist when it gets outside of their outside of their um, uh, knowledge base, right? So you know they're they're addressing a lot of the everybody that walks in the door. A general practitioner can can address. So I look at that as kind of that that break fix mentality, where you know hey you know you can fog a mirror something's broken we'll go fix it. Uh, if something gets beyond us, we know who to call to try to address that. The higher specializations, I look at them as, you know, just like in medicine. Now you've got, you know, the brain surgeon. You've got the, uh, the folks that specialize in ear, nose, and throat. You've got the guys that get referred out to, right? And I look at those businesses, and we know that the general practitioner is, you know, more, more than likely going to make less than a specialist, right? And, it's gonna, and a specialist is not going to know generally. Uh, he may know some of the things that the GP knows, but they really specialize in their field of practice, and it lets them improve their, pro their processes and their knowledge in that field, and they become uh, very sought after and specialized. So the same thing with IT, right? So I think the folks that we work with that are the most profitable have specialized in vertical markets and specialized solutions. I mean, and this is because when you do that, you can create processes and procedures that are very specific to delivering, uh, implementing, and maintaining those uh, very specific solutions. And that comes at, at uh, a high cost for the end customer normally and client. And it also comes at a very high profitability factor for the provider because this is all they do. They've, they've honed their technique, much like a managed service provider does, right? Managed service providers of the four service delivery models in the book are the most profitable, have the most profit potential. Let's put it that way. And that's simply because they are not restrained by a time 
and materials billing model, right? A dollar for an hour of work. And they also rely heavily on process and procedure and utilize tools and technology to deliver labor-intensive functions that can be scripted to run overnight, right? The next highest profitability or profit potential model in the book are the professional service providers because, again, they are very technically specialized and they have <clears throat> developed processes and procedures to effectively deliver their solutions, right? So if you look at it that way, um, I think specialization is a good thing. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. We've, we focused on, you know, specializing in oil and gas here in Calgary. And mm -hmm. the only thing we have to be cautious of, Eric, we have to pick a couple others. And we want to be able to protect our business if the oil and gas market happens to crash. The other, hopefully the other two can, can uh, pick up. And we also have that GP-type practice as well. So we're kind of GP and specialists all at the same time. Is that, I think that's what a lot of us IT partners do. We, we kind of play in the GP role, but we took two or three years of specialization. Yeah, I think, I think that's correct. And I think that there's always going to be, like we talked earlier in the call, you know, there's always going to be the need to break-fix stuff. I mean, but it's how we deliver those break-fix services that affects our profitability and, and alleviates our need to be as reactive as, you know, a pure break-fix service provider does without tools and technology that they're using to be proactive and processes and, and requirements for their clients to keep spare PCs, for instance, in their business uh, in a closet somewhere, right, when something fails. So, you mean, you got this great book coming out, Eric, in, on October the 6th. Uh, you're going to be talking in Seattle on uh, Friday, one week from today. I'm, uh, you know, I'm a new, a new guy, a new IT partner, or maybe I'm a well-seasoned veteran. And, you know, I'm just not going to be at uh, SAB Nation next week. How do I go about uh, pre-ordering the book, and what's the best way to get it? Well, that's a great lead, and thanks, Stuart. So <clears throat> right now, uh, anyone can jump over to our website, www.mspu.us, and they can pre-order the book until Friday uh, for a $50 discount. The book is normally $149.99. Again, it's nearly 600 pages uh, of just you know everything um, that I could pour into it from our experience and working with partners in, in building, managing, maintaining, maximizing and migrating service delivery models, and then hiring and training those specific roles uh, that are required to drive success in those models. Uh, so it's uh, $50 off until next Friday, uh, so that's $99.99. There's also an audiobook bundle, and you get quite a good discount. I don't recall what that is if you buy them as a bundle. But it's over on mspu.us, uh, and uh, you know, uh, pre-order now, and it will ship uh, the 6th. That's uh, Monday the 6th after next Friday. So that's uh, mspu.us is the website. Go ahead and there and uh, get the the advanced copy of the pre-order of the book, and you'll have it sitting in your desk that week of uh, the sixth or the tenth, somewhere in there, depending on what yep. part of the world you live in, I guess. Eric, I want to thank you for uh, taking time, uh, especially as you're not feeling all that great, to come and talk to us today. It's really appreciated. It's my pleasure, Stuart. You know, I always appreciate you inviting me on, and we always have such great, great conversations. And uh, well, if you're uh, going to be in Seattle next week, make sure you swing by and, uh, and check out uh, Eric and Carl's pre-day at the SAB Nation this, uh, this coming week. Just a quick reminder of what we have on deck here on Small Business IT Radio. Uh, we have a very special show coming up uh, at 4 o'clock Eastern Time on Tuesday, September the 30th. Uh, my good friend Dave Sobel will be joining us. And Dave's got a, a new book 
on virtualization coming up called Living in a Virtual World. And uh, I think that's the title of it. I, I think that's what I heard. Anyway, that's the name of our show, anyway, Living in a Virtual World. And uh, Dave and I are going to be talking about virtualization and what partners need to do to prepare for virtualization, what are you know some of the challenges and hey, what we need to do in the marketplace around virtualization. So that's next Tuesday at 4 o'clock Eastern Time here on uh, Small Business IT Radio. And then our regular scheduled show will be next Friday at noon on the East Coast, 9 a.m. on the West Coast. Uh, we have Jody Hicks, Steve Riot, and Mike Fafinski joining us to talk about uh, cracking the, the top 10%. What do we need to do to crack that top 10% uh, in our lives, in our IT practice, whatever we do. So Jody, Steve, and Mike are all part of my HTG3 peer group. So we're going to be chatting about that. we got some other great shows uh, on, on, uh, on the schedule here. We have October the 10th. We have uh, a general discussion on after-hour support. What is one of the best practices around after-hour support? And then eFolder is joining us on October 17th to talk about preventing data disasters. And it just goes on from there. We've got some uh, great conversations with Microsoft on Software Plus Services. We have Carl Pelichek and Phil Elder and Amy Babichek coming on on uh, October the 24th. So lots of great stuff coming up on the uh, Small Business IT Radio. Go to our website, smallbusinessitradio.com. Uh, sign up on our RSS feeds. You know, I also welcome you to sign up on my blog at stuartcrawford.com. Lots of great stuff happening there. And, uh, you know, this show is really just for all you partners. It, the reason why I do it is just to get back to the community and, and share experience and invite great people like we have with Eric and all the other guests that have been on here. That's all. That's the main core essence of this show is just to give back to uh, to everybody out there. A lot of us do this just out of the goodness of our hearts. So I feel free to join our website, uh, go to visit mspu.us, sign up for their blog. You know, Eric's got some great stuff there, and visit all of our uh, and all of our guests who come on. So this is Stuart Crawford. We're going to sign off for uh, this week here on Small Business IT Radio, and we'll uh, talk to you all next Tuesday at 4 p.m. on the East Coast. That'll be 1 p.m. on the on the West Coast here on Small Business IT Radio, smallbusinessitradio.com.